The Accidental Entrepreneur is brought to you with the help of our sponsor, AWeber, the world's leading small business email marketing automation service provider. Since 1998, AWeber has helped more than 1 million small businesses and entrepreneurs through its suite of web-based email marketing, automation tools, and education. AWeber, the best option when it comes to marketing your business. The podcast is also brought to you by The Alternative Board. Since 1989, The Alternative Board, or TAB, has been one of the leading peer advisory and business coaching organizations for independent business owners and CEOs across the world. By facilitating peer advisory boards, private one-on-one coaching, and strategic planning services, TAB helps business owners improve their businesses in ways that change their lives. And be sure to connect with our affiliate sponsor, GSM Growth Agency. They're boosting e-commerce businesses to six and seven figures in revenue and cover everything from ads and social media influencers to making your website better. GSM Growth Agency focuses on taking businesses from startup success to bigger success, going above and beyond to make sure growth sticks around. They're all about cool ideas, lasting partnerships, and making your mark in the e-commerce world. And be sure to support the podcast by ordering some logo merchandise from our online store. Listen to all of our sponsors' commercials later in this episode and follow their links in the show notes to learn more about their products and services. Exactly, exactly. So generating phone calls and form submissions from their website or their landing page. Um, And I had big dreams still of wanting to go to corporate. Um, So I applied uh, to a role at Saatchi and Saatchi, which is the agency of record for Toyota. Um, And I got a role there. And at big corporations, typically you're not doing all the marketing. You're not doing buffet style marketing anymore. You become a specialist. Yeah. So um, at that role, I was doing um, Google ads, pay-per-click for Toyota. Um, and so all, I had out West, like in California, that's where they're all. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, when I was working for them, they were out in Torrance and since then they've moved to LA. Um, okay. but yeah, so, you know, I started working there. Um, I probably spent a good two years at Saatchi. Uh, it was really great experience. I think it really, it really opened my eyes up to what the corporate world looked like. And yeah, sure. You know, Not very entrepreneurial. Com- Exactly. And comparing it to a a situation where I was working at a really small company, things were really nimble. Uh, When when projects would come down the pipeline, they'd expect you to do things right away. Corporate, things take a really long time. Okay. Welcome back to another podcast episode. We have another great guest, Michelle Kopp. You're going to hear from her in a moment about her background and what story she has to tell. Uh, Before we get into that, I want to welcome a new affiliate sponsor that we have on the podcast, GSM Growth Agency, was founded by Anatoly Lubinsky. Anatoly actually was on the podcast on one of our live episodes in October. So if you go back and listen to that on YouTube or on one of the podcast directories, you'll hear Anatoly's incredible story. So we're happy to have GSM Growth Agency on board as an affiliate sponsor. If you work with them, and they help you build your e-commerce business. It does support the podcast. We get a little payment from them, so it supports what we are doing. So if you're listening on your favorite podcast directory, please be sure to leave us a five-star review. If you're watching us on YouTube, subscribe to the channel and like us so we can keep bringing you the quality guests um, that we have been bringing you all along. 
So let's get on with the show. The information provided in these episodes is for entertainment purposes only. It is not a guarantee of success or to be construed as advice of any kind. You should always seek advice from local licensed professionals before making any decisions. The dictionary defines an entrepreneur as a person who organizes and manages any enterprise, especially a business, usually with considerable initiative and risk. People often start a business without much choice, perhaps due to a job loss or just being dissatisfied at work, and they come up with an idea they just know can be successful. They become entrepreneurs by accident. That is to say their success or failure happens by accident, not with intention. My name is Mitch Beinhacker. I'm a corporate attorney and a business advisor. You're listening to The Accidental Entrepreneur, my podcast about how to achieve success on purpose, not by accident. Join me along with our monthly guests where we share our knowledge and help you get a hold of your business. And now on to today's episode. Hi everyone, my name is Michelle Kopp. I am the founder of Level 28 Media and I am a Google Ads pay-per-click advertising expert. I've come from working in corporate on global Fortune 500 accounts and have won multiple awards um, and have uh, then eventually started my own business where I help local businesses generate pay-per-click advertising. All right, Michelle. So thanks for joining me. I can't for the life of me remember how we connected. Maybe it was Podmatch or a booking agency or something like that. Do you remember? I think my assistant may have found your podcast and just reached out directly. Well, we're very famous in our own minds. So I don't <laughs> we're, uh, I guess when you do it long enough, people just start finding you. I think this is the, I think you're episode 295. I'm pretty sure. Wow. Yeah. So it's been, it's been about four and a half years of just, <laughs> people and keep interviewing. So I'm glad we, we met and connected. And today we're going to talk about, you know, what all small business owners should know about pay-per-click, pay pay-per-view, pay-per-click advertising and, you know, the Google, all the Google world and the other parts. It's not all Google, I guess, right? And the other parts of that world. Um, but why don't we go back a little bit and talk about your background, your history and how you got into that kind of stuff. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I actually come from an agency background. Um, I worked at a small agency and uh, that did pretty much all digital advertising. So I did Facebook ads, email marketing, pay-per-click advertising. I even did some web design at the start of my career. And then once I was there, I just, I realized that I really wanted to hone in and focus on one area. I had big goals of wanting to go to corporate. Right. That was my goal out of college, but unfortunately right out of college, I couldn't find, I couldn't land something right away. So I ended up getting this job at a small marketing agency. And I actually think that it was a really great uh, place to start because I, the way that I describe it, it's like buffet style marketing. You get a little taste of everything right. and then you get to see what you like. And if you like something, then you're going to go back for more. And um, what I found was I, I really enjoyed pay-per-click advertising uh, for local businesses. Okay. Um, so I worked with a lot of attorneys, doctors, dentists, uh, professional service uh, professional service providers, right. um, and I was generating leads from the internet and it just lit a fire in me because everything was performance driven. And if we couldn't perform, we would get fired. Right, so. right. <laughs> I guess you only get results. Well, you can't guarantee they do business, but it just, they're getting leads. That's really how you measure it. Exactly. Exactly. So generating phone calls right. and form submissions from their website or their landing page, um, and I had big dreams uh, still of wanting to go to corporate. 
Um, so I applied in, uh, to a role at Saatchi and Saatchi, which is sure. the agency of record for Toyota. Yeah. Um, and I got a role there and at big corporations, typically you're not doing all the marketing. You're not doing buffet style marketing right. anymore. No, you become right. a specialist. Right. Yeah. So, um, at that role I was doing, um, Google ads, pay-per-click, uh, for Toyota, um, and so I had out West, like in California, that's where they're all. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, when I was working for them, they were out in Torrance and since then they've moved to LA. Um, okay. but yeah, so, you know, I started working there. Um, I probably spent a good two years at Saatchi. Uh, it was really great experience. I think it really, it really opened my eyes up to what the corporate world looked like. And yeah, sure. You know, not very entrepreneurial. Exactly. And comparing it to a, a situation where I was working at a really small company, things were really nimble. Uh, when yeah. when projects would come down the pipeline, they'd expect you to do things right away. Corporate, things take a really long time. Yeah. Now, let me ask you <laughs> this question. So you weren't a programmer, right? You weren't, you weren't doing like web SEO programming and stuff. So how did you learn? Oh, I have two questions for you. One is how did you learn about the, all the pay-per-click advertising. And also, how does that apply to a company like Toyota, right, who is not selling cars on the web? I mean, they might be selling cars on the web now, right, in some right. Company, but they weren't there. So first of all, how did you learn the pay-per-click thing? I mean, what, and what were, you know, what were you doing for these clients? Yeah, so... Basically, the way that I learned, so I tried reading books, but it's different when you're reading like theory and then you're trying to apply it. Doesn't work. The best way, yeah, the best way to learn is just to do things and fail. Okay. <laughs> and, you know, I hate to say this, but, you know, everyone comes from a, a place of being a beginner, but hey, uh, we needed, I needed to learn. So oh, I yeah. needed to just get my hands dirty and, uh, trial on some of my clients' accounts. Um, so it was really a lot of trial and error um, to really figure out, um, you know, what I was doing right and wrong. And, you know, I did have a senior um, at that time that was coaching me, right. but still you're going to make mistakes, but that's how you, that's how you learn and that's how you get better. Right. Um, so that's pretty much how I learned. It was really through trial and error and having a little bit of coaching, but, and then try, is, also are trying, are you trying different keywords for the client? Are you mix, mixing things up, certain ads online? What, what are you doing? Yeah. So, so there's a, there's a slew of strategies. Typically the way that it works is with pay-per-click advertising, you select keywords that you think people would be searching for, uh, for you right. for, and, um, you would then bid on those keywords to bring those, to bring that traffic in and, uh, go to your website to then call you or submit a form right. and become and some you, type of lead. bid the highest number, you don't necessarily pay for it until someone clicks on the link, right? Exactly. That's why it's called pay-per-click advertising. So even if your ad appears in front of people, even if you had a thousand impressions, you won't have to pay for that until someone actually clicks. And the click, the cost of the click is determined based off of competition, 
um, and, you know, various different things in regards to the market and how well your account is optimized and stuff like that. Um, so that's pretty much how, how it works. So it's pretty much blending, you know, data analysis and creative together in order to drive performance and, you know, generate, uh, you know, these, uh, business metrics for clients. What I do is I, if I bid on a set of keywords and I sell, spend X amount of dollars, then you get a price per click, right? But you also have a budget. So it doesn't sound like you get a $25,000 bill because everybody clicked on the word, right? Exactly. So you can restrict it um, based off of what your daily budget or monthly budget is. Mm-hmm. You, or, you know, you would set a monthly budget and then you would divide it by 30 and then you would put in a daily budget and then you can optimize based off of that. Got it. So th- I understand. So a more popular keyword would eat up more of the budget quicker. If Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Now, so answer the second part of my question. So you go to Saatchi and Saatchi, you're working on the Toyota account, and they don't sell anything online. So what are they looking to do through that type of a program campaign? That's actually a really great question. And that's what drove me crazy about working there because (laughs) they weren't focused on leads. Right. And here I am. I come from a place of being so performance driven. I come from a place of trying to drive return on investment, return on ad spend. But then here they are. They're measuring things like click through rate or button clicks And it was really shocking to me because they were spending, and this is at that time, I'm not sure. Well, since then, we were moving more towards a lead generation type of model Mm -hmm. um, or tracking more lower funnel metrics. But at that time, it was like, why are we tracking someone who clicks on, uh, you know, build a, uh, you know, build a car or, you know, something like that, where it's not, it doesn't show that they're like actually super serious. They just want to like see the different colors of the car yeah. or look at the different makes and models. So that was really eye opening to me. Yeah, um, I guess because Jen would have been, especially then, more of an interest of like the local dealership, right? And Toyota leaves it up to them to find their own. Exactly. Exactly. Because I worked on national. So, that's why the metrics were a little bit more awareness based, yeah. Um, rather than like actual like lead gen lower funnel. Right. So that's looking to you know so, name out there and to know that people are visiting and, but they're definitely more of elusive. I mean, they're like traditional advertising, right? Advertising is just kind of to get your name out there and get people to follow you and get people to know your name and keep the brand in front of them, I guess. But pay per click is seems like a, I shouldn't use the word oxymoron, but it seems a little bit funny right? To take that approach with a national or an international, in that case, company that's not really concerned about leads on the ground for the, they leave that up to the dealerships. Now, maybe that's changing, right? Yeah. Yeah. At that time, it was just an awareness play. And that was something that I wasn't used to because coming from working with small businesses, a lot of these small businesses, they don't care about having their name in front of people. They just want, like, of course, that that would be great to have, right, but, that's but they want, approach. yeah, they want the leads. They don't really care about, like, blasting, you know, media dollars, like, everywhere so that their name is known necessarily, but they just want the leads. Right. So that's that was really hard for me to, like, change my mindset from going from oh, we need to generate X amount of leads to then, oh, we just need this many impressions and then the client's happy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. So that's interesting. So it got you frustrated though. And then you're like, I want to go back and be more on the ground, hands-on with smaller businesses, right? 
Yeah. So I think what it came down to is it came down to an identity crisis, really, when I was there, because I really like wanted to work in corporate. I thought that this was my end goal. I thought that that this was going to be career, right? That was the vision of my career. Like when I was, I had dreams of working at Saatchi and Saatchi since I was in college. I went to the job fairs and applied, but it just took a really long time to get in. And once I was there, I was like, wait a minute, this is not terrible. <laughs> is this? <laughs> it's like, yeah, oh, this is. Right? We all, so all my friends, we would go to law school and you'd have this Im- image of like getting a job with one of the big law firms and this is so prestigious. And, and then you get the job and your life is terrible. You hate it. You're working crazy hours. People are miserable. And you're not really doing the work that you really thought you were doing, really helping. Exactly. 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 So it's just so interesting how, you know, when I was in college, I just thought that that was going to be the end goal and the forever uh, path for me. And then once I was in corporate, uh, not just at Saatchi, but once I moved on to another organization um, in corporate, I just realized that it wasn't for me. Yeah. Um, now, when you you in college, you were what, marketing and advertising? major or correct so a lot of your uh a lot of your friends your colleagues in the program did they have the set was that like the common thing like oh well you go work for gray advertising or whatever these exactly yeah and then when you see your friends go on and do it then you feel like a failure if you didn't do that so that's kind of what happened with me i some of my friends would go work for disney and you know boeing and some really big companies out here in la and here i am i get this job at a small marketing no-name agency working on these local attorney accounts and i'm it's not that i'm embarrassed about it because i'm still getting experience so you know exactly exactly so mm -hmm. yeah so i was just gonna ask you a question when you said that um how long? Because you had said that you won some awards when you were in corporate, right? So yeah, what did so, you win? And it obviously didn't help you like say, oh, I want to do this for longer. So what happened with that? Yeah. So after Saatchi, um, I moved on to another organization called Neo at Ogilvy. So Ogilvy is also a well-known advertising agency, yeah, but this is – yes. Yeah. So it's the performance marketing arm of Ogilvy and Mather. Um, And uh, I worked on accounts like um, Sage Accounting Software, AMPM Arco, so British Petroleum. um, And um, we had entered into a huge industry um, uh, awards. Uh, So it's it's essentially think of it kind of like uh, the Oscars of the industry. Uh, So it's called the Drum Search Awards. um, And... uh, we applied. So basically it was for Sage accounting software. We leveraged a really interesting uh, business to business campaign strategy that um, focused all of our budget on top performing markets. And it drove an amazing amount of leads, you know, year over year. um, And clients were super thrilled with it. So we took that case study and entered it into an actual contest, uh, which was the Oscars of the industry. Um, And we won. We won. But believe it or not, we won. They made the announcement. And I actually had left that organization right after. So they texted me and they're like, oh, congrats, we won. And I was like, that's awesome. Um, And, you know, I wish I could have gotten the credit while I was there, but. (laughs) Interesting though, it was a lead generation program. It wasn't the thing that turned you off about corporate. 
Yeah. So actually what happened was after, so there, so one of the main reasons why I had left, uh, Saatchi was because I wanted a career growth. Um, and also I wanted to work on more lead generation accounts. Yeah. So I thought that like, okay, so instead of going back to a really small agency and working like with these local attorneys and local, um, doctors, maybe I'll just go make a transition into still a bigger agency, but do lead generation over there. So that's what I did. So that's, that was department. That's what they worked on. Yes, correct. So that was, yeah, that was uh, Neo at Olgavi. So yeah, so that, so I was working on lead gen accounts out uh, there for probably two to three years. And um, at the start of the pandemic, uh, decided to go on my own uh, to start, freelancing. So actually the story is I was freelancing even when I was working at Saatchi on the side. Um, oh, so I was moonlighting. Yeah. yeah. Moonlighting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And that, but that was before you were at Ogilvy, right? Correct. So the story is um, I was moon. So I, I told you I was kind of bored working at Saatchi, but I was trying to, you know, hang in there, wanted to put in my time and do what I could to, you know, move the needle in any way possible. But still, I felt like something was missing. Yeah. So um, I connected with a small time agency owner um, who has a bunch of local clients. Um, and when I was working with him, I uh, offered uh, or I offered to do some freelance for him. And we ended up you know, having this really great uh, a, a relationship um, where, you know, I helped him manage his Google ads, pay-per-click accounts for his small businesses. So it reminded me of my very first job, right. but I was doing this instead of, you know, during nine to five, which is my usual time of working five to nine right. um, after work. And then even on the weekends. So right. I was finding more joy in doing the freelance work, but in the back of my mind, I could never let myself quit my full-time job. That's scary. I'd be leaving a lot of, I would be leaving a lot of benefits, uh, a really, you know, nice salary behind and no guarantee of what's to come. So that's why I never actually, I thought about it because I really enjoyed it, but I always just shoved that idea down um, and just tried to, you know, hide it under the rug because I just didn't, couldn't see myself going down that path and couldn't really imagine myself being successful at that. Right. And it's a new path, right? Because now you got to find, I mean, you were getting work from this guy, but it wouldn't be Mm -hmm. like that forever. So you'd have to find your own customers, also your own clients, your own accounts. And Mm -hmm. it's hard. Selling is hard and, you know, prospecting and building business. It's definitely difficult. You just, I mean, I guess you could lead gen for yourself, right? But you still have to close the deals. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So yeah, when I was working at Saatchi, I was doing this moonlighting on the side. I loved it, but I just couldn't let myself just do it full time, even though I secretly wanted to. Um, And then eventually moved on to Mio at Olgavi, still had the freelance thing on the side. I didn't. Okay. Yeah, I still, I didn't talk about it. Um, It wasn't anything illegal or anything because I wasn't competing against and right, or working with any place, right? yeah exactly but i you just don't want to talk about those types of things like in corporate or else people start questioning if you're right. you know doing you know if you're actually like there for the right reasons exactly. but yeah it was it was interesting um but what i think the big turning point for me was just i was just unhappy with the commute i was commuting like 30 miles a day and if you know la it is just I a, can take it four crazy hours. 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And it was 30 miles one way. So it was a 60 mile round trip. Uh, in the beginning, it was, uh, it was a really good gig. Um, I really enjoyed, you know, working there. I don't have anything negative to say. It was a really great experience. It just really came down to, I didn't really see myself going in the direction of the associate director role or becoming like a big time manager or director. Right. You'd have to move up. Exactly. Because in this career, the higher you go up, you just become removed from the day to day and you're just managing people. And that was just not my interest. Yeah. So you Mm -hmm. think the pandemic was kind of like the breaking point, right? I think that was for a lot of people like now you're home, right? You're like, wow, I don't have to drive 60 miles and spend two and a half hours in my car, you know? Yeah, it's kind of funny because I actually left right when the lockdown happened. So it was like right at the start of March 2020. So um, I just just a coincidence. Like it was just a coincidence. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's kind of funny because I tell people that I I I think I'm the pioneer of the Great Resignation because I didn't. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't realize that you know that I was gonna that this thing was going to happen. But after I put in my two weeks notice and then they, they started telling all the employees you could work from home. I thought I made a really big yeah, mistake sure I because I, say, yeah. Yeah. Cause I, yeah, I, I, w- I always wanted to work from home. I always wanted a, a, a job where I could work from home. But at that time working from home was looked down upon in corporate, like especially. Right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So now that the corporate is letting everyone work from home, I was like, man, I'm really missing out. What I should in in my head, I thought maybe what I should have done was just not not quit and you know let this thing happen. But I didn't know that the right. pandemic was going to be that serious. Yeah, we just thought that you though you you quit your job, right? And what were you? What what was like the day? What what was Michelle's plan the day after? The plan was, okay, so the plan that I told everyone was I was going to do freelancing full time, but secretly, I was actually going to look for a remote job uh, at some type of agency, Um, but I just didn't have anything lined up and I was kind of embarrassed to not like tell people because, you know, like when you leave corporate, they're like, oh, where are you going? And Oh, good. good. Tell us, send us a note, Michelle, when you get back, (laughs) when you get there, right? Yeah, yeah. Tell me how everything is going. Tell me how amazing your life is now that you left us. So, you know, when I told people that I was leaving to do freelance full time, that really wasn't 100% true. I I was going to go and try to find a remote job somewhere else and take some time off. But what ended up happening was kind of the like, again, going back to the name of your podcast, you know, accidental entrepreneur, like I I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. Uh, I just didn't know. Um, I just didn't know how I was going to become one. Um, and then, you know, this pandemic happened, and I was looking for some nine to five jobs after I'd left, but no one was hiring. Right. So I was like, okay, well, since I told everyone that I'm going to be doing freelance full time, let's just try doing this. So still working with this other, you know, small agency doing. Uh, freelance part time, but so then I was like, okay. during the pandemic through that agency, I did, but it was very part like it was very minimal work. I was it was just really small projects here and there, um, but it was kind of it was eye opening because it was an opportunity that the universe was giving to me, saying, "Hey, 
you should use this time to really figure out if this is something that you want to pursue right um full time yeah and now because world, no one was hiring and the world was making a shift to working at home now which is what you always wanted yes so, yes silver linings i guess i don't know the pandemic was very hard for some people and other people they just got uh, new opportunities you know yeah so i just i feel like it was part part luck but then also i used a lot of that time to really do some soul searching yeah and figure out you know what i truly wanted to do yeah because all this stuff was happening, but it was quiet at home. I could really sit down and think about how I wanted to plan my future and plan my dream life and really think about what do I want to, how do I envision my life being in three to five years? And looking three years ahead where I'm sitting now, it's just, it's amazing that, you know, I'm now doing podcast interviews and that I have the freedom to leave work on a Friday work yeah. <laughs> fried you know on friday at 3 yeah. p.m if i want to so there's just so much great freedom yeah. okay so why don't we do this um because i want to get into you know what your world what your life looks like today i know you have an agency how you're running your company and then we, maybe we can also talk about without giving away the farm we could talk about you know the things that small business owners need to think about when it comes to deciding does pay-per-click advertising make sense for me? Does it not? What are the, are the things I can do? I think a lot of people are a little lost when it comes to, I'm talking small business owner, right? What they do in right. online marketing and digital marketing. So can we do that? We'll take a commercial. So I got a, I got a couple of people paying me a little bit of money and I'll play those commercials about two minutes and then we'll come back and we can get into that. Does that make sense? Sounds okay. good. Here's a word from our sponsors. Looking to market and grow your business? or perhaps you're just getting started and want to hit the ground running. AWeber is the best choice for online email marketing and automation of your business. From maintaining a subscriber list to drip campaigns and landing pages, AWeber gives you tools and integrations that make marketing easy and fun. As our partner and sponsor, we use all their tools to promote the podcast and market our law firm. AWeber, the best alternative for online marketing. For over 30 years, the Alternative Board, or TAB, has built a thriving community of forward-thinking CEOs and business owners who want to radically improve their companies. Through unique combinations of one-on-one -on -one business coaching, participation in monthly TAB board meetings with other non-competing owners, a suite of strategic tools and customized strategic planning workshops, TAB membership can deliver greater strength to your business and a better work-life balance for you and your family. All packaged in a streamlined and affordable service that the people at TAB invite you to try risk-free. Are you struggling with managing advertising due to a lack of time or expertise? Perhaps you're facing challenges in scaling ads for your store. Are you feeling lost when strategies have no success? GSM Growth Agency is your reliable partner in overcoming these business challenges. Feel the impact of collaborating with a team dedicated not only to short-term goals, but also to building long-term partnerships and achieving sustained success. Embark on an exciting journey to redefine the possibilities of e-commerce and create a legacy of unparalleled excellence. Take decisive action now. Follow their link in the show notes to receive a complimentary audit of your Shopify store conducted by a GSM expert. Propel your e-commerce game to new heights with GSM Growth Agency. Follow the link in the show notes to learn more about all of our sponsors. And now back to our show. 
Okay, the system's having trouble with commercials, so nobody gets commercials today. I'll uh, I'll put it into the audio version later on. We're not going to do it. On, okay, I don't know some sort of uh, buffering or something like that. So, all right. So let's get back into like you know what your agency looks like now, how you built it. You know, because obviously I assume it's virtual, right? You don't have like fourteen people working in your house. So maybe we can get into that. No. <laughs> so maybe we get into that and then we'll talk about things that business owners should know and tips and things to look for and how do you make decisions about that stuff. Yeah. So as you, as I had mentioned, I started my business uh, in 2020 um, and since then was just flying solo here and there working with freelancers on small projects. Um, and uh, eventually this year I brought on an assistant. So it's me and assistant that were uh, working together uh, remotely. Uh, I've purposely designed my business to be more of a lifestyle business. Um, I just, I don't see myself managing like tens of, you know, hundreds of people. Um, that's just not, that's just not my end goal. My end goal is to really have the freedom for family, uh, for relationships. And, and, you know, this having the business is just, it's a, it's a privilege and it's a really great, uh, way for me to, you know, allow, allow myself to have the freedom to do whatever I need to do whenever. Right. So, so all the people you have that are part of your agency are virtual. Correct. Yes. How many people mm-hmm. you have in your organization now? So just one right now. Um, and then I have freelancers yep. here and there that help me with like small projects, probably anywhere like up to 10, but they're not like ongoing. Right. You say, plug yeah. them in when you need them. Exactly. So how are you as a business owner, how are you developing your business? Like you find that challenging? I mean, you're a pay-per-click expert, so. Yeah. I think there's a couple of ways to answer this question in terms of development. There's just uh, a couple of things. Like, I think, I don't know if like you, you were referring to like how I get, you know, customers and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. So Um, before this year, I was doing a lot of outreach methods to get clients. So whether it's like cold email, LinkedIn outreach. Um, but what I found is by doing a lot of those methods, like, and I still got clients. Um, so those are still like still viable methods. I don't have anything against them. The challenge is you're not really building brand equity when you're just doing like direct outreach. You're not really building a brand. You're just reaching out to people, telling them that you can do these things. Exactly. It's like networking. I tried networking too. It's just not my thing um, because it's too much one-on-one and having to show up in person at like BNI events. And the thing is like, the, the problem with that too is a lot of the people at these networking events, they're not really even your ideal right, customers problem, anyway. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And then the thing is they're part of these groups because they don't have money for marketing <laughs> and I'm trying to sell my marketing services. It's so it just defeats tool. the purpose. Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, so, you know, I tried in-person, uh, networking. I tried, uh, I tried, you know, direct outreach. It worked really well. Um, You would identify a business. Exactly. And do direct outreach, not in like a slimy way. I'm sure you probably get emails. Yeah. Yeah. So with me, they say, Hey, I see, you know, Michelle, we do this and that. And if it's something that interests me, I'd be like, okay. But if they just said, we're some agency, we do this, I would just delete it. So. 
Exactly. So since then, um, you know, I had great success with it, but I just realized that instead of me doing direct uh, outreach to people, I want people to come to yeah. me. I want people to be primed and ready to buy. So the challenge with that is if you're going to go the more inbound, uh, you know, method instead of outbound, you're it's going to take a while to build your brand. Yeah. So at the uh, start of, uh, at the start of the year, I had invested a lot in getting a YouTube channel set up. Um, so I have a YouTube channel now, uh, and I, it's really just for personal branding and also for my business where I share tips on how to get certain results using Google ads. Um, and believe it or not, believe it or not people are finding, yeah. finding yeah. it. So content, I do the same thing for law and I, over time I broke out the brand too, my personal brand with the podcast, cause it was kind of getting lost in the law firm. Um, but I think people yeah. overlook like personal branding. They, they don't think it's valuable. And I think it is because they want to know you, you know, they want exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You have a website for the business and then you have the YouTube channel for yourself. Yes. So the website is for the business and the YouTube channel is a combination of myself and the business. So the name of the channel, like if you're looking it up, it will just say like Michelle Cop Level 28 Media. Um, and I have my own personal like LinkedIn profile there because I want the name to be associated with like Google Ads Expert. Right. And I want people to associate the company name with like Google Ads Agency. Uh, so that's, that's why I did it that way. Originally it was just level 28 media, uh, and it was just showing my face, but then people didn't know who I am. They just see this, you know, they just see my picture and they're, they know, they know my face, but then they don't know my name. So that was, you know, that was something, but it's Sorry just to the, it, what you do. So are you yeah. going to take snippets and throw it on TikTok and stuff like that? Eventually. Yeah. So right now I'm just trying to build up a bunch of content and then eventually splice it up and create little nuggets that I could put across, um, you know, the short form content and stuff yeah. like that. So it's a great discovery channel. And I, I, re if I say, if I, if I have to, you know, say that I regret something, it's not starting it sooner right. because yeah, it takes time. It really does. And believe it or not, I've, uh, I actually had thoughts of potentially like quitting at some points where I wasn't growing and I was like, okay, well, this is a lot of work, but you know, I just need to keep doing it. And I've been consistent every single week this yeah. year and it's built up into something. And I think like with content, you just have to realize that it just takes it time, does. lots of and, time. And you, you mentioned it before. Consistency is so important. Like you have to do it. So it's comfortable for you to create the content and put it out. That's why I run the podcast the way I do. I edit it the same way all the time because I don't want to burn out, you know? And I think, yeah, it did. It took 10, 12 months, more than a year before I got anything back from the podcast of, in terms of recognition and connecting with people mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And I think it's, I think people really, like you said, they don't really see the value. They give up too soon. Is they're like, well, I mean, I posted on LinkedIn one time and it didn't do, I'm like one time. Yeah, have a one mm -hmm. a day for 60 days and see what happens once a, once a week for 180 days, you know, for six months, mm -hmm. see if you start to get some recognition. I know it's a little bit off the, the paper click that we're talking about, but mm -hmm. I think digital content is, you know, people, I think a lot of attorneys are a good example, right? They worked yeah. with attorneys before, right? A lot of them feel like, yes. well, if I put free stuff, out, if I put information out on the internet, what do they need me for? I'm like, what are you doing? 
Uh, <laughs> like the, the, the world doesn't work that way. You, you can't give away information. People are just going to go do it on their own. Now they're lawyers. It's just that they start following mm-hmm. you and saying, you know what? Michelle knows what she's talking about. I trust them. Right. It builds trust. Mm-hmm. And they do learn some things to become comfortable with whatever you do. And then when they're ready and they're the right customer and they can buy, they're going to call you. They're not going to do it on their own. That's stupid. And mm-hmm. if they really want to do it on their own, you, they're not a customer for you anyway. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. So let's get into maybe, uh, you know, things that business owners should think about. Cause I really think that I find on a regular basis that people just don't, everybody knows what pay-per-click advertising is like I said before the break and that we didn't have. Um, and they, mm-hmm. and they, but they, they don't really know what it is. Like they know what it is when you're on the internet and you're clicking Google, but they don't know, they don't equate to how it can help their business and what they can do. And I think a lot of people struggle with that. Yeah, yeah. So I can certainly uh, give a little bit of insight into that. So when you're searching on Google, um, what happens is uh, when you search, um, then you're going to be taken to something called the search engine results page. So you get to see all the all the answers or all the listings that Google is going to be giving you based off of what you're searching. Okay. On this search engine results page, at the very top, there's something called the paid search pay-per-click results. And it will say something like sponsored by yeah. or, you know, something like that, or this is an ad, but it doesn't really look like an ad. They just, it looks very, it looks like it blends into right. the page really well. You've like well. bought your way to the top um, of the page. Exactly. So kind of think of it like you, you bought like a fast pass, uh, you know, uh, way, like way to the front of the line at Disneyland. Right. So that's, that's pretty much what pay-per-click advertising is. You're buying your way to the top versus below pay-per-click advertising is, uh, the organic listings, which is the way to get there is using SEO search engine optimization and SEO, even though it's free, um, to when someone clicks on any of those listings, it can take a lot of time to appear because there's a lot of different things that you have to do to your website, whether it's writing blogs, optimizing the pages, getting reviews, and and a lot of other technical things. Yeah, Yeah. because as soon as you stop doing SEO in a week, everything's or maybe two days, everything's going to be stale, right? (laughs) Exactly. So that's what I I don't actually touch SEO. That's not my bread and butter, but everyone wants SEO. I would want SEO and I I do pay-per-click. But what, what tends to happen is there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, local businesses that compete in very, very competitive markets where it could take one to two years to even rank for a keyword like orthodontist near me in, let's say, Seattle. So instead of waiting one to two years for po- maybe potentially showing up on page one, you don't even need to wait. Just, you, you know, use Google ads. Um, and as long as you have things set up properly, your ads can start appearing within 24 hours as long as you're not violating any rules. Right. Um, so you're just jumping to the front of the line and your ads are on top of all the organic listings. Now, if, I, if you showed up in the in the sponsored links and I scrolled down and saw your website and clicked on it below that, then you don't pay? You don't pay. You don't pay. But having both is ideal. Okay. Having a pay-per-click strategy, exactly. Having pay-per-click strategy and an SEO strategy is a really great approach. And I always recommend clients to do both. But if you want to show it faster, pay-per-click advertising, um, but the the back-end goal should always be getting your organic listings up. If you get ranked organically, 
Um, then I guess the question might be, then should I even still be doing pay-per-click advertising? And I, the way that I would answer it is it just depends on what your return on investment is. Because actually having both appearing on the first page of Google is going to help with your brand awareness as well. So if someone sees you um, on the sponsored listing and the organic, it's like, oh, wow, you know, they, I, I see them twice and they probably know what they're doing. So I want to see if I could potentially do business yeah, with definitely, them. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, okay. So how does like a business owner go about, because this is all based on keywords, right? You're, and you don't really know what people are going to yeah. search. So if I'm a business, I'm a small business attorney, right? How do I know, you know, how do I start to come up with the keywords? I mean, I guess you have tools that can do that, but you, you know, you come up and you say, here's 12 keywords and these are searched a lot. How do I determine what's better and what's not? Yeah, so there there are tools. The best tool out there um, is free, and it is part of the Google Ads platform. It's called the Google Keyword Planner, okay. and you would you would start by selecting your keywords that you think people would just search you for. So, small business attorney, and then from there, Google Keyword Planner will give you other ideas that are related to that. So then you would be able to build a list off of that. So that's one way. Um, another way could potentially be using the Google keyword suggest. So you could go to Google and type in small business attorney. And then, you know, like when you search in Google, they usually they'll have like a drop down with a bunch of different auto suggest. That's also another way to go about finding popular keywords that are in relation to your That's why it's coming up that way. Exactly. So that that's why they appear that way. It's because it's based off of how popular those terms are. Um, and uh, in terms of people searching, another way um, is asking your ideal clients, how would you go about searching for a corporate uh, attorney or a small business attorney um, on Google? What would you type in? And then you would get some ideas from there. Um, so there's a, there's a couple of different ways, but those are the top, the top three ways that I would recommend any beginner. So do you think that keywords and all this stuff kind of works better in some industries versus other. I always have this argument with, see, I think there's business out there for everybody, but clearly like in my world, right? A lot of the leads I get through the internet, unless they're referred to me or something like that, they're usually not great. And because I'm Mm -hmm. working with higher end clients and sometimes they're scams. I mean, sometimes there are these people that are like, Oh, well, we're looking for a construction attorney to handle a contract in New Jersey. We're selling this million dollar piece of equipment. And there's been attorneys that have like cashed fake checks and gotten taken for $250,000 because of these scams. I get them all the time. I recognize them now and I know what they are. Oh, my yeah, goodness. I in the middle yeah. of one and I followed the trail and I realized it was fake and then I reported them or whatever. Oh, so, my goodness. Yeah. Um, I think. Point, right. Yeah, no, I work with a lot of attorneys. Uh, I think for you, because of your specialty area, it can be tricky because if you're going after small business, attor- like a keyword like small business attorney, you have no idea what they're looking for in terms of right. a case. You don't know if it's like a small claims right. case or like this construction type of yeah. case. Um, so I think if you are a you know small business attorney, beyond just you going after keywords like small business attorney, which I think correct. could be... A, Dangerous, yeah, because if you just go after small business attorney, you have no idea what their situation is. But if you want to look more for, like, tell me then, like, what type of cases do you typically, um, you know, uh, 
try to attract? Uh, I, do, I work with a lot of um, business owners who might be buying a small another small business like in their industry or selling okay. their business or something like that. Because you know, they can't uh-huh. do those things yeah. on their own. It's too complicated. Exactly. Exactly. So you would want keywords around around that. Um, so that that would be that would be something that uh, would get would yield you better results than just like a small business attorney because that's still really broad. Even though that's what you do, that's not really like that doesn't really tell us about what the case is. And you could be getting just a bunch of random. Uh, a bunch of random inquiries, even for like small jobs where someone's like, oh, I, I'm looking for like a free consultation for this type of thing. And you're like, oh, I don't want to waste my time. Yeah. I think the PI, <laughs> the personal injury attorneys tend to, you know, you could put in automobile attorney or lemon law attorney, something very specific. Yeah. Wrongful yeah. death, a motorcycle attorney. Yeah. So I think other specialty areas, you get, you get a, a better chance because of those specific right. terms. I think another right. challenging, yeah. another challenging specialty is like real estate attorney. Yeah. Uh, Cause a real estate attorney. Okay. Well, are you hiring me? Like, are you looking for a real estate attorney? Cause you're trying to kick someone out of your house. Right. Did you could, buy a house? Closing could be this. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that that's the challenge. And I actually had a real estate attorney uh, reach out to me and we experienced that same issue because well, we can't they just go after closing that. Attorney, like they did closings or? They did like evictions yeah. and stuff well, like gotta that. They got to be evictions yeah. attorney. You got to do real specific. Exactly. Exactly. So that's, that's how I would approach it. Um, so pay-per-click is not for everyone. Um, I've had campaigns um, and I'll admit it, I'll have campaigns that haven't worked out for clients. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's my job as, you know, the person that's managing the account to let clients know, hey, this is not, you know, we tried right. it um, and it didn't work yeah. out. Yeah. yeah. You, off the top of your head, in what, what industries do it works really well in? And we'll put law aside for the moment. A lot of local businesses. Uh, so uh, it works. Yeah. Dentists doctors, um, lawyers, it works for most lawyers, but I think in your case, uh, you just have to be a lot more specific. Um, and then also like the trades, like locksmiths, garage door repair, plumber, HVAC. Yeah. Any home, home, uh, renovation, home construction, that type of thing. Those tend to do really well when it's B to C B to B works too, but you just have to approach it from a different angle. Got it. Got it. Well, it makes sense, right? Because the homeowner is always looking for something and sometimes they ask their friends and sometimes it's easier to jump on Google. And you know, I exactly. think 20 years ago you were like, yeah, I'm going to ask a friend, but nowadays, you know, I, I you go to Google, you know what gives me good, good, good. Um, what gives me business and leads is reviews. I was just going to say that I was going to say Google reviews, Google my business. Yeah, because I had a friend, I have a friend of mine who's in Florida and she's very good with her practice. She does a lot of trust in the States. Like I I do a lot of estate planning also. She does a lot of estate planning in Florida. She's very into systems, like running her business, you know, tracking everything. So she said, Oh, every time I close a matter, I finish a piece of business. I send an email to a client saying, Hey, asking for a review. And I get people that said, well, you had more reviews than anyone else. So I called you. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, that helps your SEO and it helps your, the whole thing. I think all these things have to kind of, right. They have to kind of be more. It's an ecosystem. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can't just do one thing and say, oh, that didn't work. It might've been something else. Yeah. If your SEO was good, maybe the pay-per-click would have worked because they work together, you know, kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And in some industries it's harder to get reviews. So let's say like it, it, 
uh, for a bankruptcy attorney, people are embarrassed about sharing their situation. And a lot of them don't want to leave reviews or family law attorney. You don't want to go airing your dirty laundry on the, on the internet sharing about, you know, your child custody issue, even though an attorney, this attorney helped you. But yeah, so that's why it can be challenging. I have a friend who's got a, a family law firm. And she's pretty big. She's probably got 30 or 40 attorneys working for her now. And her husband, who came to run the practice, is, is like, has your background. He's not an attorney. Yeah. So if you go to the website, yeah. it is like digital marketing on crack, steroids, not crack, on steroids. <laughs> and things are popping up yeah. and they do pay-per-click advertising and SEO. They get so many leads through the internet, but a lot of them are you know, small cases. You're not going to get somebody who's getting divorced and they got a $20 million estate. Usually you're going to be recommended to somebody, you know, your, your CPA is going to say, Hey, why don't you mm-hmm. call my friend? He's a, one of the top family law, attorneys, you know, yeah. but, but they get a huge volume of business, smaller businesses. Mm-hmm. How about retail stores? Mm-hmm. Like I find that you go in a retail store, there's some retail stores. They'll say, Hey, we'll give you a, you know, a free, uh, whatever. If you put, you know, hashtag us on Instagram or whatever it is. And then some just they're off, they don't do anything. So does it, you think that works for Retail stores? Oh, like giving some type of incentive to get yeah, reviews, pay click, and things like that. Yeah, to get them in the. So yeah, giving incentives to give your uh, to get reviews, it can be tricky because apparently for Yelp, that's like against the policies. Even though I've seen it all the yeah. time, I go to like a coffee shop and they're like, oh hey, leave us a review, show us a review, and you get a free coffee. Um, so it is kind of it's against the rules. I think even Google has some rules about that too. But I know it works. Yeah. So no, no. <laughs> just absolutely. Yeah. We were at a cigar shop mm-hmm. in Florida, and they're like, "Listen, we'll give you free cigars. Just you know, leave a review." Was it was it a review? Yeah, it was a leave a review. That's what it was. It was a Google review or Instagram mm-hmm. post or something. Get a free cigar. Right? That's exactly what it was. <laughs> it was really funny. Um, okay, so so if I'm so, how would I get started then? If I'm the small business owner, I use the tools that you yeah. on your own. Or yeah. So with you, if I don't have the budget, for I think. Like, how do I get started to get the budget so then I can offload it to you and get better results? I think the challenge with answering that question is no matter what, you're going to need a budget for pay-per-click. So whether it's you're paying a professional or not, you need you need the budget so you can pay Google. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't work where, oh, let's just try it for like $100 and see what we get. And if we get $1,000 return, I'll put the $1,000 back okay. in. There is a minimum that you need. Um, and it just depends on it really just depends on the market and it depends on how much uh, you can afford. So let's say that you're like a personal injury attorney in Los Angeles, where I'm at average cost per click a thousand dollars. Okay. So exactly. But remember those cases can be worth millions upon millions. So of course you can't just go into it thinking like, Oh, I'm just going to put a thousand dollars and then I'm going to be able to see a return on investment. No, you need to allow yourself room because not every click is going to turn into a lead. Um, and you need to have a sufficient budget because it's like you're driving a car on with barely any gas in it. And then eventually it's just going to go out and then you're just going to be stuck in the middle of the road. So I always recommend my clients, you know, to have a certain level of budget, but that budget's just going to depend on, you know, the market and the research that I do, um, in order to see some level of results. So I always do forecasting and I'll say, okay, based off of this, based off of your market, 
Um, we would probably need about $2,000 a month. And this is how many leads we expect to get. If your close rate is this, depending on um, you know how good you are at turn- retaining these clients, then this is how many clients you could get. But these are all assumptions right. and there's also no guarantee. Right. And, you, and you need enough data <laughs> to be able to extrapolate those things. If you only did it for a month and you say, well, that we got one lead, it didn't work. It, you, it, you need more time to you need more time. Exactly. I say a good 60 to 90 days. Typically I can generate results within a month, but I, I like to buy myself a little bit of time because sometimes there's just some cases where it can take a really long time to just figure out, especially if I haven't worked in that niche before, right. uh, figuring out like how it works. But for attorneys, um, you know, I've had bankruptcy attorneys sign on with me in the same day we turn things on, they start getting leads. So it just, it just, yeah, really you know, I, I find like bankruptcy attorneys and maybe even divorce attorneys, the things that are more private, you don't want to call your friend and say, Hey, do you know a bankruptcy attorney? So you'll go to the internet to find somebody anonymously. Exactly. So other people don't know about it. So I would think they would get great results. They do. They do. And that's why I love working with bankruptcy attorneys. So <laughs> yeah, cause a lot, yeah. And right now is actually a really good time for bankruptcy attorneys because lots of people are getting, foreclosed yeah. on credit issues and people are always going to be having money issues. Um, so we all get, in tr- but the challenge, the challenge though, with bankruptcy attorneys is a lot of their um, clients don't have money right. so, yeah. <laughs> to pay yeah. them. So I, I yeah. look, I have colleagues that do bankruptcy. I'm like, well, how do you get paid? If the person's going into bankruptcy, they can get paid. If you have money like left over at the beginning, you can give it to them and then they get to, you know, that doesn't get taken back, but yeah, if you got a client that things going on for a while, what it's like a divorce attorney, right? We used to do collections when I had a smaller firm with other partners. We had more divorce attorneys yeah. who were collection clients because they would get into this divorce and would get down the road and they had a $50,000, $80,000 bill, wasn't getting paid anymore, and the judge won't let them out of the case. So, mm-hmm. you know, so it's a really, it can be lucrative, but there's obviously, you know, risks to downsides. Exactly. Mm-hmm. All right, Michelle. So I, I thank you for spending time with me. So you gave a lot of great advice and hopefully people will start to, you know, learn about how this can really help their business more than sitting around and thinking it's only good for Toyota and these other companies. Um, what, how can people like interact with you and learn about you? The YouTube channel, we'll put a link in the, uh, in the show notes, right? How yes. else can they find yes. you? Yes. Yeah, so they could go to my website, uh, level28media.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn. You can just type in my name and uh, connect with me there. I'd be happy to connect. All right. Well, I can't thank you enough. Enjoy the holiday weekend. And if I can actually get the credits to play, great. And if not, just hang on and I'll have to edit them in later. Awesome. Thank you so much, Mitch. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Accidental Entrepreneur. Opening and closing music written and performed by Howie Moscovich and Made to Order Music. For information about Howie and his music services, please follow the link in our show notes. If you like the podcast, please tell others about us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and most of the other podcast directories. If you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star review and feel free to share our episodes on social media. If you have any questions or comments, ideas for the show, or you'd even like to appear as a guest, reach out to us by email at info at 
The Accidental Entrepreneur is hosted by Mitch Beinacker and produced by Beinacker Law. If you'd like to learn more about our business and legal services, you can find us on social media or visit our website at BeinackerLaw.com. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe to our feed to be notified of all future episodes.